Daddy. That's my impression of. <laughs> I'd always do an impression for the hello. That's my impression of the very shitty band we're listening to this week. Hello, everyone. Welcome to your favorite podcast about new metal. It is the POD cast. This is episode number nine. And uh, I am one of your hosts, John Cullen, and I am joined, as always, by a man who, like Sasquatch, sometimes appears blurry. It's Brian Quinby. That's okay. That's an okay one. I'll I'll give that something. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> That's what I get. I get a yay. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, uh, I want to apologize to John for uh, rigging this contest. Uh, I did not look at the length of the album and uh, couldn't have possibly expected that it was as bad as it is. <laughs> well, yeah. So, I mean, we'll get into that. Uh, for those of you who are maybe new to the show, what we do every month is we, re- we review a classic new metal album. And uh, this month we are reviewing Puddle of Mud's debut album, Come Clean. And uh, yeah, so as Brian was alluding to every month, we do a poll. Uh, We each nominate two albums to go up on the poll to uh, be voted on by the listeners as to what they want us to to review. So last month we had uh, we had Kitty, we had Disturbed, we had Puddle of Mud and we had what was your Soulfly Soulfly Soulfly. And uh, so we usually leave the polls up for 48 hours. So after about. 40 hours kitty uh had stormed into the lead they were in a comfortable lead by about 10 percent over disturbed and puddle of mud which were kind of neck and neck behind kitty and brian having suggested puddle of mud uh was upset at this and so he decided to well he decided to rig the poll he decided to quote tweet the poll and tell everybody to vote for puddle of mud and he has a lot more followers than i do So, so they did and puddle of mud ended up winning very convincingly in the last eight hours. They ended up getting about 50% of the total vote after being behind. Uh, and then Brian and I had to listen to puddle of mud and, um, well, here's what I wanted to ask you, Brian, like, what was it that made you want to listen to it so bad? Cause I feel like when we, you, when you and I were texting about it, you, before you had listened to it, like re-listened to it, it seemed like you had pretty positive memories of it or you didn't think it was like a bad album so what made you want to put it up in the first place well what it, what made me want to put it up was it was kind of like a, a, a toss-up between them and crazy town but i figured puddle of mud felt like a band that had a song i like too that i thought were okay blurry and uh, uh she hates me yeah. I, I love she hates me i can, i'm an unabashed fan of that fucking song and like uh so i was like how bad can it really be you know that right. was like what i was thinking and then i was like i'm kind of excited to listen to this because because I, I yes it's definitely going to suck but it'll probably like be funny suck and to tell you the truth it is funny like it does oh, suck in a funny, funny. way. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so I did, it was a positive like experience in the end. And, you know, it wasn't all me when it came to this thing winning. You have to also think about like these guys went viral between the, yes. between me nominating them and then the poll happening, you know? Yeah. Which was really bad for me. Cause I knew that I didn't want to listen to it. And then when the clip went viral, I was like, fuck, we're going to listen we're going to have to listen to puddle of mud and that's going right. to, 
And then it, it and then for me, it was just kind of like, well, I mean, I want Puddle of Mud to win because it'll make John miserable. <laughs> yeah. Well, you also view you view the poll like a contest. <laughs> like I don't view like to me, I don't really care. Like I just put up two albums, you put up two albums, and I just think like, you know, whatever the listeners of the show vote for. I'm fine with like, it doesn't matter if they pick yours or pick mine. I like to win the challenge because to me, that is an actual contest. It's literally in the name. It's the challenge, <laughs> but in the, the poll to me is not a contest, but you view it as a contest. You don't like when your album does not get chosen. I won last month. I won the contest again. <laughs> I keep, I stay winning, you know, but yeah, I, I don't view it as a contest because nobody knows really truthfully, like the people that listen know. but I think if I retweet the poll, there's a lot of people that are just like, Oh, that, you know, that's a, funny album and then are, are hitting it and i want to say this i felt so bad after this happened now that there's no poll this month yeah because i told john yes we can do kitty now people are going to be like this is this is wrong how can you do this how can you take such a totalitarian move you two is what they would think and uh uh well because we can and and secondly, if it was any other band in the entire world, I wouldn't have cared. But it was like women, and I right. felt bad about it. <laughs> well, I think that like you know, we we can kind of we can say though that it's not totalitarian because Kitty was winning the poll. Like people who listen to the show. Because presumably, like when we just put the poll up and neither you nor I retweet it, the only people who see it are people who follow the POD cast Twitter, which if you follow the Twitter of a podcast that's about new metal in 2020, chances are pretty good <laughs> that you're a pretty big fan of the show and of the genre. So, so you are voting for what you think is like the best or most interesting album. So our listeners did want us to review Kitty. Kitty was winning. And then the totalitarian move was you retweeting the poll and saying, vote for Puddle of Mud. Yeah, that was put that. my thumb on the scale. Exactly. That was exactly right. Yeah, you walked into the Roman court of emperors with the scale in the front and you put your thumb on that bad boy, <laughs> which is fine. To. But I just don't I don't think people will actually be mad because I do think people want us to do Kitty. And like you said, I think I think we should do Kitty. I, I when you when you suggested let's just do Kitty next month, I was like, while I don't like it because I can't win the poll, <laughs> I think it's OK that we do we do Kitty next month. I think that I think uh, after this album, I think we deserve something good. And I, I think agree. Kitty's Kitty's a good album. And uh, but I, you know, I'm so excited talking about this goddamn thing because it really is like it's so fucking it's bad. It's like yeah. a really, really bad album. And Puddle of Mud, like, that's a band that I, I think we need to address first. Yeah. That uh I, I think one of the first things I want to address about this too is that like this is a new metal band. I don't want to hear any shit 
from people saying it's not a new metal band. This is firmly there. You know, if Incubus is is a new metal band, then Puddle of Mud, they toured with every single one of the acts that we cover, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And they were discovered by Fred Durst. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, normally you and I have some kind of banter off the top, but I think there's a lot we want to say about this album so we can just get right into it. Uh, well, I want a banner too. I just, <laughs> why, what are you fucking cutting out the banter for? Well, I'm not. I just thought we were. I'm kidding. Thought, I we just, just thought it was fun. <laughs> it's fun I to mean, be like all fucking like hot, confrontational. All, yeah, you're very confrontational. How are you fun. doing? How are you doing, yeah. John? How's your week been? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, man. I can't complain, you know. Uh, just uh, just living. Just living life, you know. Um, yeah, nothing's really... Nothing's really interesting for me, honestly, but it's fine. I'm well, I'm watching that really, really bad Netflix show, uh, Too Hot to Handle. My daughter loves that show. Yeah, yeah. It seems like a show that like a your daughter's fifteen, right? It seems like a show yes. a senior old girl would love. <laughs> loves it. Thinks yeah. it's the best show in the world. The, told us all about it. She watched it in one day. Yeah, it's um it's it's might hmm. I okay. Well, i I tweeted like a couple months ago that I finished suits i watched every episode of the show suits that's an insane I, behavior by I the way agree. John. no i agree and i say it's like I, and i'm like i think it's the worst show ever made but like this <laughs> might be the worst show ever made yeah people fucking talk about me being crazy because i watched all of sons of anarchy but watching all of suits is such on a higher level weird oh yeah it's been sons of anarchy <laughs> Oh, way worse. Yeah. I mean, at least Sons of Anarchy was good for a bit. Well, suit. Okay. I shouldn't mm, good for like two seasons, probably. Suits. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm really white. Brian, what do you want? Okay. It's a crazy show. It's like when I go to my dad's house and he's like, you know what? You're probably sleeping on a little bit. He doesn't talk like that, but I'm just doing <laughs> regular way of talking. The guy who said sleeping on. That's what we're imagining yeah. for this story. My dad, the two things recently he's told me I'm sleeping on are man in the high castle mm-hmm. and uh burn notice. And I was like, I'm never watching neither one of those shows. I don't know anything about them, honestly. I mean, I've heard both of those names, but I don't know what those. Yeah. Are. Nah, I don't want to watch them. My week is going cool. I get, I'm buying records. So I, got, yeah, I saw you're getting, you're kind of, we were talking about this before we went uh, live to tape here, but uh, you're, you're, you're a metal guy right, right now, or I guess you're always been a metal guy, but right now you're listening to like exclusively metal. Yeah. I can't stop. I fucking, I wake up every morning and I listen to master of puppets, that whole album just to get moving in the morning. And I fucking headbang while I'm putting my clothes on and shit like that and get ready to roll. Um, master. but I did. Master. Fuck. That gets you going. Makes you feel oh like you're the master God. of your own domain. You know. It also has sanitarium on it. Yeah. Which yeah. Limp Biscuit did like the most incredible cover of. Have you ever heard Limp Biscuit do sanitarium? I think I have. Yeah. MTV Icons uh, Metallica is amazing because it has Limp Biscuit and Corn on it. Corn's doing one, one, yeah, which they which they did when you saw them. Yeah, so fucking awesome! I was going fucking nuts for that. But like, I got I've I've bought, but I I have actually bought some variety since 
I started buying the records because I can't like just have Danzig and Metallica. My wife would leave me right yeah. if every record I bought was Danzig and Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so, that makes sense. Yeah, we got the Strokes. Is this it? Oh, okay. My daughter wanted that one. She likes those guys. But like, uh, we got uh, uh, Tom Petty's Greatest Hits. Oh which yeah. Sometimes I'll get a little nutty too. You yeah, know, yeah. you can't on, on right? I mean, it's it's just it is what it is. It's a great record. And Nirvana Unplugged in New York, oh, great record. Yeah, that one's great. We listened to that today because, like, I don't know. I, I bought the metal records because I want to listen to them loud as fuck, and my wife does not want to listen to them loud as fuck. So right. I have to like Probably. be cool with them. You yeah, know, you gotta keep it, gotta keep it chill. So you know I did unplug a lot as a friend of a friend of yours, I believe. Um, Cause I believe she's heavily involved with means TV. Bryn's band stay inside. Who's a, band? Oh, Bryn? Bryn's band stay inside. I have to check it out. I don't know Bryn as well because oh, okay. Brett, Brett knows her really okay. well. Gotcha. I know she's on, I know her show and stuff like that. I haven't got to meet her yet. We were supposed to go on their show uh in a week when we were in supposed to be in new york <laughs> right right and now you're not but that's okay you're here with me but yeah there that record is amazing i've been listening to it a ton the stay inside record if you haven't heard it yet it's uh, i'll check it out i i definitely good. would love to check it out i also got uh danzig seems like it it's, it's like heavy it's it's like heavy in a way that i think you would like brian that's cool. That's because I'm really into heavy shit. I, I think it's heavy shit 2020. I think we live in a world right now that heavy metal is going to save it. You know, like it's going to save it. It's going to save the world. We're all going to fucking get through this and we're going to go nuts to heavy metal. What's a better kind of music after not being allowed to be around people to be around people and listen to like to go see a fucking metal concert, get down in a pit and go nuts, you know, like that. And I also just feel this thing in my mind, like metals on its way back metals having a moment as they say, and it's going to happen. uh, I sent you that record. uh, Well, that one song um, from that, uh, let me dub just make sure I don't get her name wrong. I think it's Rina Sawayama. Yeah. Um, Rina Sawayama, who's like combining like uh 90s pop with like new metal, and it's incredible. Well, I, I gotta tell you, man, I didn't really listen to a lot of like metal metal. This is all new music to me. Right. Um, I only listen to new metal. I, I think you know, I listen to Pantera. And because there was that period where Corn was the only new metal band, it's like, God, I need something. Right. So I listened to Pantera too. And uh, so now going back and listen, I, I just watched a documentary called Murder in the Front Row. It's about thra- the thrash metal scene in uh, San Francisco. Oh, sweet. And uh, it was really good. And uh, I am like really having my first like my first real experiences with Metallica and with like some of these heavier bands and and like I would have not liked it when I was doing the new metal thing but I love it now like I just I and Danzig is a guy like I always liked Mother but I never listened to his solo stuff but I had heard that the first four are really good 
And that's totally right. Those the first four Danzig one through four are so fucking good. Two specifically, I listen to once a day now. I just love I love evil stuff. I'm really into demons that's and the vibe. evil shit. That's yeah. the vibe you're feeling. Yeah. yeah. I've never been a metal guy, honestly. Um Metallica, I've even Metallica, like I I like certain songs, but I don't I'm not I like I don't I would never sit and listen to like a full Metallica album. I've seen them live a couple times, they're great live, but Lucky. Yeah. Saw them at Summer Sanitarium. And then I saw them another time after that with Godsmack. So I just think like Bill. <laughs> that was I go a through these. <laughs> I go through a lot of like really weird. I go through a lot of phases as it, like I, that's how I listen to music. Is like I go through phases. So there will be these long phases where I'm like, I'm on. I'm only listening to new music. That's all I want to hear is new music. That's it. And then I'll go through another type of thing where I'm like. I only want to, I want to find old shit and listen to old shit. The last time I went through the old shit phase, I discovered the cars and Lou Reed and the velvet right. underground and uh, David Bowie. Like I had never listened to them and I've, I fucking loved them. And now I'm going back to like the, the metal and I'm like, ah, this shit fucking rules, man. I really like it. I, I, I think it's uh it's a different kind of metal than what we cover on this show, you know, it's, it's like yeah. they're singing about important shit. Like, you know, all of Metallica's early stuff is anti-war. Right. <clears throat> I mean, I don't think they're anti-war anymore, but at the time, <laughs> they love war now they're huge fans. Yeah. James, James Hetfield seems like a, too much Nazi memorabilia and then just became a war guy. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> That's there, what there's that. I, I mean, I just I don't know. I'm going through I'm going through one of my classic like Brian's listening to stuff that he should have listened to 25 years ago, but didn't because he was stubborn <laughs> face. No, that's I mean, it's good. Like, it's definitely good. I, I, I go through those phases, too, I would say for sure. Um, but mine tend to be like less heavy because I think I listen to so much like heavy and loud music for most of my you know, like I've talked on the show before, obviously started with new metal, then got like really into screamo. And so that was like a solid, like eight to 10 years of my life where I pretty much exclusively listened to heavy music. So for me, now that I listen to more Indian and like pop and softer stuff, when I go back and listen to older shit, it's, it's a lot of like eighties new wave and, and pop and stuff like that. That's more like my speed now that I'm you know, a 34 year old man with a lot of dad energy. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the metal thing for me though, is that like for the past, probably, I don't know, 10 years, I've been listening to like mostly rap and then garage rock, like the, the real poppy, like the black lips and, and King con and stuff like that. And, um, I've also been listening to like country music. So, until this podcast, metal was pretty much out of my life. I, I just was like, eh, I don't need this shit. It's too angry. I'm an old man, you know? Right. And then uh, 
Brett got really into Metallica because I was singing whiskey in the jar before we recorded one night <laughs> just to be a goof. That's what he was back into it. Well, and then he was like, I'm going to listen. And then the next day he's like, I'm listening to whiskey in the jar, like over and over again. And he's like, have you heard the turn the page cover? Then he got really into load. It's so yeah. Good. The turn the page cover is good. The video is great. The video is uncredible. Uncre- <laughs> I was going to say unbelievable and then switch to incredible in the middle. I dare uh, say unreal, which yeah. isn't really a John thing to say, but it, it works. I see unreal sometimes. I, I was yeah. probably a big unreal guy at one time. You know? Whoa. Unreal. unreal. It's fucking unreal, man. but yeah i i got into like i i think i got back into heavy music it's like a weird i I think the world sucks too you know it's just like you have a reason to be angry like yeah let's all you have something you need catharsis for let's all hate stuff again and also me and brett did make a pledge in january no more poptimism so there's that going on oh okay yeah, you so made the no more optimism pledge. Of avoiding that. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I just feel like he's not a optimist kind of guy. Right. No. Well, I mean, when I say optimism, I just mean like if something sucks, I'm not gonna like be like, oh, just enjoy what you like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm be like, fuck you. This sucks. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I mean. It's like I feel like Danzig is like that as well. Danzig is very yeah. much he's about what he's about and he doesn't give a fuck about anything else. Like yeah. He's an erotic guy. Yeah. Not n- neurotic. Erotic is uh, what I'm saying. Probably both. Probably like the probably both. brackets. Yeah. Yeah. Be either, be for either or erotic or neurotic. He like sings the sexiest music that my wife would never be into having sex. To, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm fucking sitting here like, oh, my God, this is the hottest song in the world. And it yeah. just sounds like something they would have played in a strip club in 1992. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like um, I had a really brief, like very brief phase where I got into Witch House for like a, just a little bit. And uh, it was mostly because of this band Salem. They put out a record, King Knight, and I thought it was so good. And I was like, man, this would be really cool to have sex to if like the girl you dated was really scary. And then like, and but then I, the more I listened to it, I'm like, no woman on earth would have sex to this. And if they would, that's not, that's bad. You don't want, yeah. that's, that's not what you want, man. You got to stay away from this shit. So. There's a song called Devil's Play Thing on <laughs> Dancing 2 that I'm just like, fuck yeah, man, this is sex. But like, you, you know, have to admit at the same time, if if Katie was ever like, oh, you know what, like we should have sex with that, you'd be like, no, actually, I've changed my mind. I don't, it's like, for some reason, it's just the idea of it in your head <laughs> is much better than you actually putting on Devil's Play Thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't like, it, that's the thing is like, I don't want my wife to become a big Danzig fan. That's what I'm saying, yeah. You yeah. know, they're, part of this also is like just to annoy her, you know, in a weird way, we're all in quarantine together. It's just like, well, I'm just going to listen to music you hate now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Devil nothing uh, in my hand. <laughs> I'd love it. If you don't want pain, you don't understand. This is fucking great, dude. I feel like if you've I, never I, heard the song, which I haven't, you could, you could easily guess that 
one of the lyrics is about it being in his hand. You gotta fucking dude, listen to Danzig too. It's not like heavy metal. It's like no, fucking know, know. Elvis. You know what I mean? Yeah. Good you, vibe. You said he has an Elvis covers record, right? Fuck yeah, I just ordered it on vinyl. Everybody hates it, but I love it. So there's that, which is how most of my life works. You know, John, John and Daniel pointed out that my wall, I have, I have a wall behind me now. Yeah. I might be recording your living room on your couch. Yeah. I got sick. Of, well, for this show, it doesn't have to happen, but for any other show I do, I have to kick them out, you know, like right. go, go to your room to everybody and it's like that's not any way to live your life so so i i i redid one of my rooms and on my wall is mostly street fight posters yeah but there's a jonathan davis poster from a solo act that i love yeah it's really dark and it's that's another erotic thing it's sensual it's a sensual photo i mean he's a sensual guy and the thing i love about the jonathan davis solo album is that my friend went to see him when he was here in Vancouver and he played no corn songs. That's the way to do it though. You really got to piss people off. Yeah. Like, come on, man, give him one, you know, give him one. He's like, Nope, just played the solo album cover to cover. No corn songs. (laughs) Well, and I also have the, uh, a monster, any energy drink promotional shot that Jonathan Davis did where he seductively stood, against one of those big cases they keep backstage like he's got his arm he looks like he's like cool dude and has the monster energy logo i framed that one that's the only one i framed and then i have the um the vhs cover for family values 98 up there i'm gonna fill this room somewhere in my crawl space yeah somebody gave it it is great Uh, a fan gave it to me at our last live show that we did before lockdown gave you the vhs or just the sleeve no they had they handed me the vhs That's and crazy. i was like oh man this is really sweet but like i can't listen i can't watch it because i don't have a vcr but now here's another thing about me i'm looking at becoming a cassette tape guy so i could see turning into a vcr guy too kind of like a vcr guy i could see you being a vcr guy yeah, I'm just like a guy that's like into VCRs now. I just go get all the VCR movies at the thrift store. It's like in the and same way that this doing this new metal podcast convinced you to listen to more metal. It's like getting the family values. VHS is what tipped you into becoming a VCR guy. Do you well, know what made me want to be a cassette guy? What? I found one of Korn's original demos on cassette. Ooh. Need and it was like, huh? Was it Niedermeyer's mind? Let me look. Uh, it was on Discogged. Uh, dude, it was like $350. But I was like, I can come up with $350 somehow, you know, at some point. And uh, now I want to own it. You know what I mean? Like, I want to own corn tapes. I'm getting significant other on vinyl soon. And I'm getting the first four corn albums into nothing. So... I'll have some new metal in the vinyl collection too. Love I that. want White Pony really bad, but I've heard it's hard to get. That'd be nice on vinyl. It'd sound good. Yeah. I don't like flipping a record. You know? <laughs> Pain in the ass. 
<laughs> yeah, you are a VCR guy. Yeah, just wait until you hear about rewinding, Brian. You're going to hate it, man. <laughs> I, I'm going to be a VCR guy and a cassette tape guy. People are going to be like, Brian, you fucking changed, dude. You like all the old technology. That's very hip of you. Yeah, yeah. Who knew that that would be what would be hip? I'm just a hip guy, man. You know, that's just who I am. I'm really into corn. Uh, I'm actually so much more into corn since we started this podcast than I had been in decade in like a decade. You know, we started this podcast thing, which came out like right around when we started this show. Yeah. And it being good really helped. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I think that I've always enjoyed listening to new metal, like going back and and listening to it. But I think that doing this show definitely has made me approach it in a different light, but like in a good way, I think, I think it's fun to think about. And I think also too, when I listen to the new metal, I like now it's almost like I have more appreciation for it. Like, I think I've always liked corn and limp biscuit and deftones. Well, deftones always, but I've always liked corn and limp biscuit, like unironically people would be like, you don't still like that. And I'd be like, yeah, no, I do. But then (laughs) really like, I think doing this pod almost makes me like it even more unironically because I'm like, now that we're listening to shit like puddle of mud and, and this other stuff, you're like, I mean, it still is legitimately good. You know, you can, you can listen to the other stuff from the era and be like, Oh, this is aged really poorly and it sucks. <clears throat> but corn and limb biscuit, you're like, Oh, I can see why, pardon me. These bands were the top of this genre because they were definitely doing it the best <laughs> because yes. we're listening to the stuff that is not the best. And <laughs> it, it almost yeah. gives you a new appreciation for it. I mean, this week is fucking what this is the, this I would put this up there because, you know, you don't listen to full albums that you don't like very often. Oh, God, no. This is the worst album I've ever heard. Just (laughs) bar bar none. You know, it's tough. Yeah. So this month we are reviewing Puddle of Muds Come Clean. It was released on August 28th, 2001. And it is billed as Puddle of Mud's debut album, even though they had released uh, two albums previous to this, but they were obviously smaller releases. This was their major label debut. Uh, It sold 3 million copies in the United States, which is crazy. So it has been certified three times platinum. It also went platinum in Canada. We're sorry. And the United Kingdom, and it has sold over five million copies worldwide to date. It See, awesome. you call you act like starting a whole new band to get famous, and then claiming that the other band never existed is wrong. But we call that a reboot in these days, and sometimes you just have to do it. No, but the the way that this went down was not really a reboot. I mean, you know, the the yeah, the story of this album is super interesting. So, I'll, I'll maybe I'll get to the backstory in a second. Let's talk about our our both of our own history with the album first, and then I will get into the actual backstory of this record because it's very interesting uh, once we dig into it. So, going back, obviously, you've talked a little bit about revisiting this album, Brian. But what was your history with this album when it came out in two thousand one? 2001 so this would have been the second worst thing that happened in 2001 no 
yeah, this, you know, this, this was released before. in 1997, though. No, Abrasive was released in 1997. Come Clean was released in 2001. Fucking Google's wrong, because that's right. It wouldn't have been out in 1990. Um, so here's here's my history with this band. Fred Durst came out and he said, I found this band. This fucking guy is Kurt Cobain. And uh, I was like, badass. I'll check it out. Like, I, I want to hear about this. I read about it every month in the magazines. It's going through magazines. When's this puddle of mud fucking coming? Much like I told you the same way I did with Slipknot, right? Like, I heard there was a band with nine dudes in it. And I was like, I'm interested. And then I searched and searched and searched for news about them over over the time between on the internet and, and, and like rock magazines. So I got really excited waiting for this to come out. And then I heard the first single control and uh, I was like, this is not something that I'm into at all. And I, I kind of, I probably, I did say I've never seen them live, but like I would venture a guess that I have and they were unmemorable. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, the whole record, like if you had to see them live, I feel like if you didn't know anything about the record and you saw them live, it would feel very unremarkable because a lot of the record is unremarkable. It all sounds the, the only thing that's remarkable about the record is the lyrics. The, the music really could all you could move any lyrics to any music on this album like all of the song i don't know how somebody becomes a fan of puddle of mud i let me roll that back a little people are fans of puddle of mud for the same reason they're fans of acdc right like every single song sounds the same so they perfected a kind of song and that's what people are into. I would be curious to know what the follow-up of Come Clean sold and charted at. Uh, it sold less than a million. Less than a million? That specifically. It was called Life on Display. Uh, it had one hit single, which peaked at number one on the mainstream rock chart on Billboard. Um, but the other ones did not uh, sell as well. And then, yeah, it says to date it sold 700 thousand copies in the states so this is 2003 2003 uh, two, two years later so this is when the album industry was tanking right i mean getting there but it still was big enough at the time yeah well i mean yeah because there's bands that have sold a few million over the over five or six years lately now definitely you when, you, when you look at like puddle of mud it, it's really funny when you read their kind of like wikipedia and you look at their chronology like they almost immediately just became a band that was like on video game soundtracks and was the theme song for wwe pay-per-views like that's kind of like their whole it's like oh puddle of mud released this song and it was the theme song for 2002 survivor series or whatever and then it'll be like and it was featured on the madden 04 soundtrack like it's just <laughs> it's like unmemorable in that kind of way where it's like it's they they were just like really good at background music kind of you know where like you'd hear it in the background and you'd never be like whoa this sucks but you would never be like whoa what a great song like it's just a very yeah, it's very nondescript, but their their first record certainly sold pretty well. I remember for me, like I remember Blurry 
specifically, I remember that came out and I thought that was like a great song. Like I, I felt it was good too. Control was, I don't even know if we really got control in Canada. Like I know that was the first single, but that didn't really strike a chord with me, but the, but yeah, blurry. I remember when it came out. Cause, cause to me at that time was also like stained was pretty big at that time. And, and blurry kind of felt like it had a kind of a similar vibe to a stained, you know, kind of like acoustic, like that kind of mix of like acoustic and sort of electric guitars and just kind of, it had some rock elements to it, but it was like a little bit softer and the guy had a decent voice. Um, and then, yeah. And then it just went, it went downhill from there. Um, yeah, that's all I really remember. I, and then I remember she hates me came out and I'll be honest, I've never liked that song. I think it sucks. Uh, it, it is just not a song that to me, it's like such a gimmicky. It's just a really gimmicky song to have like, like the chorus just song. like, pardon. It's like one of those late era offspring songs. Yes. Totally. Where writing novelty song yeah it does have the vibe of a novelty song i never liked it and then i was just out on puddle of after that and especially because like the chorus is like you know she fucking hates me but then like i would hear it on much music or on the radio and it would just be like she fucking hates me and it's like it just didn't even have an impact because it's like oh the main like word in the chorus is getting bleeped out and it's like oh fuck it's yeah i think it's a shitty I mean, song I think that was a way I think that was a calculated move to sell records so that you could hear she fucking hates me for sure real way you know because it is stupid to release that as a single and it is an extremely stupid song I just like it gets stuck in my head you know like it's one of those it really is like It really is like a, a pop song in that it like really grabs you and you're like, fuck. I think the reason that I turned off to him really early on is because like I, I am very familiar with control and uh, a lot of the people, um, a lot of the people I hung out with like made fun of this song made fun of the song control because the lyrics are so fucking stupid you know the the lyrics are like uh i like the way you look at me i like the way you slap my ass yeah. it's just the dirty things you do i'm in control of you and it's like that is not that's not the vibe i'm going for dude that that song, and I think this is why I turned off to him real quick. It's hair metal in a way. It has a real hair metal energy. Yeah. It, well, especially because like the part of that song that I find very strange is that like the first half of the song just kind of comes across pretty straight ahead, right? Like the lyrics are just kind of like your basic sort of, you know, dude metal, like, you know, I love the way you look at me. And like, it's just a classic, like, I need to feel you. You need to feel me. I can't control you. You're not the one for me. It's a very like, it's very much uh, like classic guy trying to tame the devil, the she devil woman kind of song. You know, it's very like just sort of nondescript. And obviously the riff is pretty nondescript and you're kind of like, okay, whatever. And then it's like, not until like halfway, more than halfway through the song, where it gets into that. Yeah. I love the way you look at me. I love the way you smack my ass. 
And then like it repeats that part four times. And like that's how the song ends. It's just like one minute of him saying, I love the way you look at me. I love the way you smack my ass. And it's just, when we review these albums, I just, I'm always like, I'm forever trying to get into the mindset of like, you have so, especially a band like this, that is essentially created by the label that you have all of these guys this has to go up so many steps and this is the, and this is the one where everyone at the label is like, yeah, that song where he talks about smack in the ass, that should be the single. That's like fucking cool. You know? And you're like, how does this happen? Like, I'm just imagining a boardroom where it's like, yeah, that's a, I love the way you smack my ass. Like, it's just so raw, man. It's so real. That is, I'm going to say this, that is a culture thing. I think between Vancouver or, or where wherever you lived in Canada, Toronto, right? You live near Toronto. And this time I would have been in Vancouver. Okay, so you I live in, in Vancouver, but I moved here in 1999. So, so you're you're living in Vancouver, yeah, and you're listening to Puddle of Mud, and you're like, Control, this is like kind of corny. This is a song that people fuck to in Ohio, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Like a certain, like the record label made a totally right decision releasing this as the single because the people that listen to the radio station that play this single, they love it when a rock song is like about sex, you know? And this guy is very unambiguous. And like basically all of his songs are about sex. It is so nowhere near Kurt Cobain. Or Nirvana, which is what they got, what Fred Durst thought said he was, and uh, it's 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 so the opposite of that. It's such horny music, and it's like really clumsy, and it's about sex from a dude's point of view. But I think he's trying to like, I, I think as part of new metal, you have to be. Uh, uh, sad or s- sensitive or or something like yeah. that, or, or like he's trying to be like, yeah, man, I love it when she chains me. Like I like to teach you all the rules. I get to see them set in stone. I like it when you chain me to the bed, but your secrets never shown. It's like that is so corny. That's chain me to the bed. Get out of here, dude. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Well, that's the thing. It's like, it just, it's so hard. It's so hard to listen to in a way because it's like, no one, no one would say that. And I think that's the, maybe the part that I'm having like the hardest time wrapping my head around. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like you would never, you'd never be like with your boys, you know? And they're like, Hey man, so you've been dating you know, you've been dating Abby now for a little while. Like, so what's going on, you know? And you're like, honestly, dude, I just love the way she smacks my ass. <laughs> like, you like, never, like that would just never. So th- that part to me is like, I think that's where the disconnect comes for me. And yeah, maybe like you say, there are other people who would hear that and be like, yeah, that's kind of fucking sexy, you know? But like, for me, I think it's just, it feels so it's so unreal. It's so, it's so dis, it it puts me in such a state of disbelief. Like I can't suspend my disbelief. Like it's not, it's kind of fake in a way because it's like, even if that is something you do like, 
you'd never, you don't express your feelings for someone in that. I love the way you smack my ass. Like it just, it's so corny in a like weird, creepy way, I think. Well, and also it's like the, it's kind of like one of those, uh, the, it's like a normie fetish thing, right? Like this guy's trying to be edgy. Right. About like the kind of sex he's into this, this song control is is about bdsm and like he is he shades of gray for new metal yeah but it is all the stuff like like chained me to the bed and you're slapping my ass and you rake my skin and stuff like that like that's all like the most base level type of that stuff that's what i know about the bdsm community there has to be a lot more to it than just those things that i know because i've seen a bunch of movies that talk about the bdsm community you know because i watched real sex like it's basically (laughs) this dude watched real sex and he's like i'm a fucking serious pervert man i'm gonna write a song Yeah. 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 I guess that's true. I guess maybe there's like an element in 2001 that this would almost seem kind of like risque in a way, or it would come across as like, Oh, people don't talk about this in in popular music maybe. But even then though, like, cause to me that I think that's again, the additional like problem I have with it is that a BDS, a person who's into BDSM also wouldn't say that. They no. wouldn't, they wouldn't be like, so it's like, so it's like this weird, like, yeah, someone who's like a, a sub or whatever would never be like, oh, I just love this relationship I have with my dom. Cause I love the way she smacks my ass or he, or whatever. Yeah. like you might, you might like that. But again, it's not like, that's not a feeling that you would express like, oh, they just, you know, you'd, you'd go further. You'd probably be more specific. Even you'd be like, Oh, I love this one paddle that they use or whatever, you know, like it just, the, the way it's presented and especially in a sung voice, it just, it fully took me out of the song. Like I, I listened to this album. I knew I was going to hate it. So I played video games while I listened to it. Um, I was playing NHL 20 while I was listening to it. And it's funny when you listen to an album like this, that's so nondescript while you're doing something else. It's actually interesting, like, because a moment like that or like a lyric like that is actually what gets you to pay attention to the song, but like in a bad way, like it's kind of just playing in the background, you're playing the video game and you're kind of just like the music is inoffensive and you're just kind of like, whatever, I don't like it, but it's not pissing me off or anything. And then it'll be like, I love the way you smack my ass. And, you're, and then you're like, fuck, is this guy really making me pay attention right now? Yeah. I'm trying to play hockey. I don't want to fucking listen to this guy be like, I love the way you smack my ass. You know, and you're like, ah, oh, fuck off, man. I hate it. Right. There are a lot of lyrics in this album that just wake you right up from yeah from where you're taught, you know what I mean? Like I, I was taking walks and like looking at my phone and, and writing and stuff. And, uh, I, I would hear something and be like, what in the fuck is he saying? I, I, I think the, I mean, we could do this track by track. Yeah. We don't have to, uh, but I think this is one, let's skip a few, like drift and die. Yeah. Kind of like me, like, so just before we start talking about that, I, I want to give people the backstory of this because it was funny that yeah, you talk about Fred Durst 
saying Wes Scantlin was Kurt Cobain. And so basically, because I think that this will help if you've never heard Puddle of Mud, I think the backstory of the band, I didn't know the backstory. So this was very interesting to me. But basically, Wes Scantlin's from Kansas City. He has this band called Puddle of Mud. They've been around for almost a decade. They started in 1991. They've released an EP. Uh, they've released two albums. Uh, they don't get much traction. They kind of just play around Kansas City, whatever. And then uh, the band has essentially broken up. So they're not really, there's infighting in the band. They've kind of broken up in the way like a local band would. There's kind of like, they're kind of mad at each other. So they're not really talking, whatever. Then Wes Scantlin uh, slips a, a demo to Fred Durst's AR person at Interscope. He likes it. He sends it to Fred Durst. Fred says, I love this guy. This guy's going to be the next Kurt Cobain. So Fred Durst sets up an, a label meeting in LA with Wes Scantlin. Now at this time, like I said, the band's fighting. So Wes is like, well, I don't even really have a band. I've given this guy a demo, but I don't even really have a band. So he gets one of the original members of Puddle of Mud and he gets two just like session musicians that he knows from KC and brings them to this label meeting. It goes horribly. They hate it. Uh, the, the, cause the, the, I guess the guy he brings was like the drummer and he's an idiot and he's a drug addict or something. <laughs> that's the way it's being painted. I don't know for sure, but that's the way it's being painted. And the, the, the audition goes or whatever the meeting goes horribly, but they love Wes. So they say to Wes, we love you. We love everything you're doing, but we hate everything else. We don't want anyone from the band involved. We, we, we think they're stupid. So you can sign with us and we will find you a band or that's it. We're not doing it. So Wes of course says, well, sure. I don't give a fuck about those guys. We were fighting anyway. He signs the contract, keeps the name keeps the songs. So they released the album abrasive comes out four years before come clean three songs that are on abrasive end up on come clean. So each of the members of puddle of mud from the Kansas city version end up suing Wes in different formations to be like, well, we wrote these songs. How do you put them on this record? Blah, blah, blah. But yeah. So Wes basically forms a new band with all these people that Fred Durst knew. Uh, and then that's how the band came to be. So very interesting backstory in the sense that like th this, this band is essentially like a label creation around this one guy uh, who fucking sucks. Yes. That's what I was going to say. Like they looked at this guy and they were like, this guy's got like some heavy charisma. You know, we need to get our, I, I like, I watched a 10 minute interview with him that he did on Sorry. some YouTube show. Yeah. And uh, he seems like an asshole. Yeah, and a like moron I, too. Like he seems like a dumb asshole. Yeah, he seems like a dumb asshole. And it's like, wh why? What did Fred do? I guess he was on his best behavior when he was with Fred and uh, the A and the AR guy, A and R guy. Yeah. Uh, but I also feel like there's enough proof that he's never normal, that maybe they just thought he was a wild card. <laughs> Honestly, maybe they thought he was the next Kurt Cobain because they thought he was going to release an album and something bad was going to happen to him. <laughs> that was their hope. They're like, well, listen, to be honest, if we get one album out of this guy and then he dies, we'll probably sell double the copies we would have if he doesn't die. 
I mean, he is a wild guy. I'm looking at his onstage incidents, right? Oh, there's on some. Wiki. He's had a bunch of arrests, uh, domestic violent ones. There was also a very strange one. Oh, here's one. Let's just go through all of them. What the fuck? What? What the hell? <laughs> I'm trying to find out what this charismatic man that that got the ear of Fred Durst now. My guess is that he was sold to Fred Durst as a guy that can sing like Kurt Cobain would be my guess. For sure. Yeah. I mean, there are interviews where um, Fred is saying that. So, so it puts you, it put it in Fred's head. So Fred is out running around saying this guy's the next Kurt Cobain because Fred, it like it's like telephone game, you know, right? Where like Fred can't, Fred's not like the type of dude that would understand that like sounding he, I guess he technically the voice sounds like Kurt Cobain, but he has like none of the talent of Kurt Cobain, like none. He's just trying to do it and and like knowing that they started in 1991 makes it seem like makes them seem so even more like even less genuine to me you know because because it's like they were doing a grunge band and then that didn't work out and then you know he was like well i can you know, I can tour with corn, whatever. And it annoys the shit out of me that Wes Scantlin charmed them so much that he got to live a life as a rock star. <laughs> well, it's interesting because like the, well, exactly. And the funny part to me is that I think at a lot of points, this record feels like a grunge record. Like it's a weird it's a weird record in that I think the two best quote unquote best songs on the record are blurry and drift and die. And I think that those are like the two songs, two of the, the only two songs on the record that make use of like other melodic elements, like acoustic guitar and kind of slow it down a little bit. And it's weird that like, it almost seems like the band didn't realize that that could have been their like magic formula or whatever. It's like, you've got these two songs that kind of stand out One, She hates me, obviously. And, but even that is like a different, like you said, that's almost like a late, a late career offspring kind of like pop song. So it's like, you've got these kind of like two or three pop ish songs, but then the rest of the album is this kind of like, like Alice in Chains kind of nondescript muddy guitar sort of thing that I, it just is so weird to me that they didn't somehow while they were recording this catch on, they're like, Oh, we're like kind of, we're kind of like six or seven years out of the grunge movement now. Like, I, I don't <laughs> it just was, it just was odd to me. I, I yeah, the, the whole record makes no fucking sense to me. It's like, this is the type of thing that would happen when there's a grunge revival, you know, when, when totally. people are rediscovering grunge and, and kids are, kids are making grunge songs again. Like there will be bands like puddle of mud. The thing about it though is, is that like grunge, it grunge doesn't let, isn't video game, uh, opening screen music, you know, player select screen music and puddle of mud, like feels like specially designed to be like there for the, create a fighter in the UFC video game. 100%. I think yeah. 
Like that's the that is the vibe the music has. So his first arrest was in 2002 for uh, uh, domestic violence. But on September 24, 2007, Scantlin was banned from Graceland after entering an off-limit swimming pool. On December 11, 2011, Scantlin was pursued by the IRS IRS for non-payment and back taxes in the region of sixty thousand dollars, which is. The Graceland thing is crazy. That's a wacky thing to do. Like that is. Uh, yeah. Like that, presumably that's like a preserved area of the estate. Right. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> that paints a picture of who he is as a person and what Fred Durst thought when he met him. Like this could be a case of a dude that, you know, Fred was successful. Fred obviously likes grunge music. There's no doubt about it with Stained. Because Stained was a Durst thing too, right? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So he was like trying to like revive grunge. I think like for him, it was like, let me diversify my portfolio. (laughs) (laughs) In a way, it was like, yes, every uh, I, I need to get some stuff with like new metals dying. People are throwing shit at me at concerts. Now things just aren't going well. Uh, let's get a couple bands on the label that sound like the music that people liked in 1992. <laughs> yeah. Let's go back. He's like, we went back. Well, also I think Fred too is like knowing Fred, he probably was like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to create or sign bands that are going to be competition for me. You know, like Puddle of Mud is like Limp Biscuit and Corn adjacent, but you would never say like, oh, these are the same band. Like knowing Fred and just like his business mind, I bet he was like, well, I'm not going to I'm not going to create another new metal band that might be bigger than my band. <laughs> so I mean, like, here's this grunge kind of thing. I can I can do this. You know, it's different. So he continued to face legal troubles in Jan- on January 16th in 2015 when he was arrested at Denver International Airport after taking a joyride on a baggage carousel and entering a restricted area, which is cool. Uh, and then on April 15th, he was arrested and charged for disorderly conduct at the Mitchell International Airport in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. On, on July 26th, he was arrested early in the morning after leading sheriff deputies from Renville County, Minnesota on a high speed chase in excess of 100 miles per hour. So like, I wonder the, the reason like I'm getting, I'm, I'm trying to get these out here is that like, at what point do we think Fred Durst was like, I really fucked up like lending my name to this thing. <laughs> Well, I think he probably realized it in like 2003 because like because yeah. Wes, Wes Scantlin went off on Fred Durst. So oh, like, shit. Yeah. So he because I guess like I don't know anything about it, but like people were saying that like I guess once Scantlin maybe started to have some of these troubles, I mean, it sounds like a lot of the ones you were reading were even after that, but it sounds like people just thought that puddle of mud were like only famous because of Fred. And so Wes just like popped off on Fred in 2004 and he, uh, he did an interview with chart magazine 
And Wes stated, he doesn't write our songs. He doesn't produce our songs. He doesn't do anything for us. He doesn't do our videos anymore. He doesn't do anything for this band. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what the guy's like. All I know is that he's like Mr. Hollywood guy, Mr. Celebrity. Like, I don't hang out with anybody except Hollywood celebrities. Every single fucking interview I've ever fucking done, I get asked about that fucking guy. And for me to do interviews all the time and be asked about this certain individual... People think he writes music with me or something. He does not do that. I just don't get it. We have nothing in common. He doesn't even call us. He has his assistant call us to congratulate us on our record. Yeah, that's how pathetic he is. No, that's not pathetic, Puddle of Mud. You know what's pathetic is that he doesn't care and like that you're not worthy enough for him to care to call himself. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's just like, yeah, so probably I'm guessing that's around the time when Fred went, oh, shit, I fucked up. This guy's a dickhead. But like even even his arrests, like the way the the type of things he's getting arrested for are like the types of things that like people who aren't really famous uh, do to like prove that they're famous. You know oh, what I mean? Like it's a lot of like <laughs> the baggage carousel shit is perfect. Yeah. For kind of thing exactly it's just a classic like don't you know who i am type of move it's like this he rides the bed he's probably drunk or high or both he's riding the baggage carousel the security comes up they go what are you doing sir he goes don't you know who the fuck i am they're like no i don't know who you are he's like you'd never she fucking hates me and they're like nope i never heard of it and he's like how could you not have heard of it you know whatever like all the things he's doing are just classic like just look at me type things of like a guy who had a little tiny bit of fame and then just like, is trying to like sink his claws into it more. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to be, I mean, like he would be like, so he would have been so excited if they hired him to be on like celebrity rehab back (laughs) when that That would have been a break. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he's trying to prove how famous he is, how, how, oh, I can do this. And he does get away with it. He probably has enough money to hire a decent lawyer or there's like a puddle of mud fan that does that represents him for free. And it's just like a really great lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, unfortunately he tried to get on the first season of celebrity rehab, but they deemed that shifty shell shock was a better choice. Well, "Well, sorry, uh, you know, butterfly, uh, that, that sold more copies than blurry. So sorry to say, but we're going to bring shifty on the show. If you die whatever it is, what it is, man, we can't help you. I'm about to like make the listener sad. I was going to put crazy town on the next poll. Yeah. You can put them on the next one after kitty poll after kitty, but I was going to do crazy town and then another good album. But uh <laughs> yeah, the crazy town one is weird because they were like fully new metal and they had a very sugar ray thing where they were like fully new metal, but then had one song that wasn't new metal and that got really popular and then they didn't have anything else to back it up with because they were a new metal band. Well, I was listening yeah, to Frost- Sugar Ray record too. That's a wild record. I don't even remember well, what it's called. on Block Party the uh Monday this week i don't know why i'm saying the time but you were singing uh every morning there's a halo hanging from the corner of my girlfriend's four post bed i wanted to sing it here because i got it right and you didn't (laughs) and then uh 
The next I thing ever. I'm sorry. You said every morning there's a heartbreak hanging from the court. And I was like, that's not right, John. Heartache. He does say that at one point. I'm sure. I don't know any words after that, but I know the four. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so uh, I was wondering, like, are we going to consider Sugar Ray new metal? Because definitely. definitely. Yeah, because it feels like like this is this is the same case with Puddle of Mud. They're ubiquitous. They're everywhere when you run in new metal circles, you know? Oh. Well, Sugar Ray, I got to Okay, it's the record that has RPM on it. Um, I don't know what that record is called, but they're for uh, Floored. So yeah, they're that. I don't even know if that was their first record, but that record, that's the record that Fly was on, and the record is a fully new metal record except for Fly. So yeah, we could totally do that record at some point. But yeah, yeah the, that's, the, that's what I'm interested in. I don't think I've heard the the more metal sugar oh, rate it's wild it's not good really but uh it's mark interesting McGrath. mark mcgrath is great though right like he is the most successful rock guy from that period of time i, I can't even think of anybody that's a close second and well, you have to get all the tv stuff after like he was a tv host for so much stuff yeah mark mcgrath was like uh entertainment weekly and you know, it probably wasn't as big of a deal as it feels to me, but back in the day, man, being on entertainment weekly was like only for like really special people. <laughs> no. Yeah, for sure. It, yeah. I would agree. If I got an entertainment weekly, I'd be feeling pretty fucking special. I'll say that. Oh, uh, I would but love yeah. to we got a, we will get to one other article talking about Wes. That is just crazy to me. Uh, we'll get into that later on, but do we want to talk more about some of the other songs on this record? Cause I think I so badly want to. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about some of the other songs. Cause we'll get back into Wes's shit. Cause there, yeah, like I said, there's just a crazy article that, uh, that I want to get to, but we always usually do the articles towards the end of talking about the record. So we'll do that. Um, what, uh, so what, what other songs do you want to touch on? Cause I definitely had some lyrics that, uh, that really stood out for me as well. Um, the, the one about smoke and crack, uh, is pretty good. Great one. I, that's in, uh, I believe that I have, I have the lyric. I think it's in the song said, said yeah. Emotionless. I slip into the black and there's no turning back. Now everyone around me is smoking crack. That is I mean, I'm I, this guy doesn't have like an artistic bone in his body. So, <laughs> no, because that's the kind of lyric that you would think somebody would be doing ironically. It's like funny if me and you wrote a new metal song. <laughs> yeah, it's like something we do in the challenge. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny. It's like, oh, these guys, these guys are just joking around. I mean, I I feel like everyone around it's around me. I, I have the lyric. I don't know why I'm asking you, but, uh, but it's something about, uh, yeah. Um, I think I even took up, I, I wanted to give the, uh, okay, here it is because it sounds like ch it's, it, I would have written this when I was 14, I would say. And right. it's, it's great. Emotionless. I slip into the black and there's no turning back. Now everyone around me is smoking crack. 
The tunnel is blinding, hallucinating. I'm debating life, but it's still moving forward. If I could just change the hands of time, I'd do it better. It's like, first of all, sounds like there were some shrooms or some LSD or <laughs> something, something like that. For sure. Handled it much worse than Incubus, who handled it very poorly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh my god, this. Uh, I have another one. Yeah, and I, uh, I, I let me find the song title because I don't want people to have to listen to this whole fucking album. No, don't, know? don't listen, don't listen to any of it. Never mind the whole thing. Fuck. Well, there's the one, the one lyric that's very funny, and I can't find what song it's in either. Um, but it's like it's something about uh, like it's like my childhood wasn't that bad. <laughs> But it wasn't that good. I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> Looking back on my childhood, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that great. I carry the luggage like a bag of bricks. Feels like it's holding me down, holding down on me again. <laughs> Staring down a pitch black road, painted lines show me the direction. The sun is burning on my face. The sun is setting me on fire. <laughs> I can't. That one was like, I literally had to pause my video game. Like I couldn't even, it was like, cause that's, that line starts the song. Like imagine you're trying to write this like very heavy song. And the first line is, well, you know, my childhood wasn't that bad. <laughs> like, the, like, is he trying to be like, what is the point of that? Just lie. Say it was terrible. What, what like no one's going to cross check what your childhood was like, like, I don't, it's almost like he was going through and he's like, well, you know, like there are other singers who had worse childhoods than me. I probably can't come right out and say my childhood was terrible. Like it's, like, it's just so weird. I couldn't get over it. It was so funny. I mean, he probably had my childhood, right? That's what he's, that's what he's trying to say where it's like, well, I wasn't like my parents didn't like hit me or anything, but they weren't like good either, you know, like, I don't, and uh, that's what it sounds like his life was. So you can all, you can always like, he's just another me that decided to write songs. I guess. <laughs> Here's another one. Uh, really got me. I loved that. That's that might be my favorite lyric on the whole one. Oh, really? What about karma comes around two times, which no, it goes one time. It goes. And the other time it comes is the thing. Karma goes around two times. So you better be good. Watch out for unfamiliar signs. When you're going the wrong way, look back to the, now this is a numerology word. I'm going to get right, get wrong. Duea's minds. They keep pushing me, pulling baby. Jesus never sleeps when you're being a sinner and he'll eat you for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> what rhymes with sinner? <laughs> Why well, say baby Jesus too? Like, what is that's like yeah. back then? That was like the funniest joke you could do. Was like in a movie, you would be like, "Oh no, not sweet baby Jesus! He was so innocent." And so, like, people loved saying baby Jesus back right. then. It's right. the equivalent of like unicorns now. <laughs> 
people are just like, I fucking love these unicorns, man. They're so cool. Oh man. That, yeah, that's a good one. Like it's just the thing too, is like, he kind of, even the childhood one, like he misses the obvious rhyme. Like my childhood wasn't that bad, but it wasn't that great. Like let's say yeah. good rhymes with hood. Like it doesn't, but yeah. And then he has the, like this one. So I was saying this to you, I was texting this to you cause this one blew me away too. So there's like the last song on the album is a ballad. It's almost six minutes long and it's called piss it all away. Uh, and this is one of the ones he took off of the other uh, puddle of mud album also just for the record. So pardon me. This is one of the songs that was on the abrasive that came out in 97. Um, but yeah, so you can tell like, this is the classic era of like these bands would put a ballad as like the last track on the album as a way of being like, yeah, like we're sensitive. We're going to take this home. You know, so this, this track has strings on it. It's got like acoustic guitar. It's definitely like, he's trying to set a mood with this one. And the lyrics are just like, it's like, again, like you said, Brian, it's like, it's like what a teenager would write. Like, like you and I would write these lyrics in two minutes as a joke for this show. Like it just is so insane. These are the lyrics too. And and you just have to imagine this is like, he's going full ballad on this song. What I feel it is real. What I do. It's the truth. When I drink, I can't think. <laughs> when I, <laughs> use, I can't, <laughs> can't even get through it. When I use, I need more. When you're weak, I can't speak. Close your eyes and taste this wine. The cork removed, less purified. That doesn't even make sense. That's such a me. When I that is a good lyric. If you're if you're me and fucking like ninth grade, right? Yeah, the cork removed, less purified, and then the song just like literally the chorus is just him saying, "Piss it, piss it all away." And he just keeps going on and on. He just keeps saying that. Piss it. Piss it all away. I wrote a ton of songs back when yeah. I was a kid because I was planning to be a heavy metal rock star. And uh, these are like those. Like I, <laughs> right. These these are the same fucking vibe as the, as the ones that I wrote when I was in like ninth grade. And, and, you know, it's not like he isn't, he probably wasn't that old when he wrote a few of these songs, but there is a thing where you have to think like, okay, so what's the ballad on like corn always ends with an epic song, right? Yeah. yeah. Like not really, it's not really a ballad. I did stained. Did stain do a ballad? I, I don't know. I don't Every stain song was a ballad. It's been a while as a ballad. Epiphany is a ballad outside is a ballad. That was stains kind of thing. Stain was, stain yeah. was originally pretty new metal. And then when they got signed with Fred, then, then they just went like all, they were all ballad. Really. He's told he's, he signs these motherfuckers and then he's like, he, he signs them and then he's like, you have to be a grunge band now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to be a ballad band or a grunge band. Yeah, you, can't, yeah. you can't have anything else. I mean, and you got to name your ballad something other than piss it all away. I know what you're doing. We, we see through it. We know you're being clever. But like, it's bad name for an, I mean, bad lyrics. Yeah. I'm, I'm like so glad that 
things I wrote, the lyrics I wrote never got out because he has a real, like my kind of, that was like, his writing was kind of like mine, you know? Where it's like you would try to fit like the word like uh, uh, reevaluate into a song, and so you'd be like, "Okay, I need to evaluate my emotional state." Good lyric, and then you would move on to the next. <laughs> yeah, like that's the kind of writing he does. The, the, like the words he he has to use to rhyme are odd and none of it sounds natural. None of the songs on this album sound natural at all. Yeah, no, that, I think that's a really good observation. It definitely seems like and then it, it's both that and it's also in other situations. He just goes for the easiest rhyme possible. Like in this song, he's like, I got to talk about my drinking like I drink too much. And it's a problem. And so it's like, when I drink, hmm, what happens when I drink? What rhymes with drinking? When I drink, I can't think. Yes, perfect. Like, it's like he just settles on like the first, the most basic line you could imagine. So it's either like squeezing these weird, like these weird things into it or, uh, or yeah, or the like, I'm just going with the most basic rhyme I can think of. Well, yeah, like drink, think is probably like, the day you decide you're a rock and roll guy, you're like, okay, so drink rhymes with think. <laughs> yeah. And I have a drinking problem. I'm a rock. I'm going to be a rock star. I have a drinking problem. So what, what, what can I say about this? Yeah. It's it, just, it, it, I, you know what? If I can find them, uh, maybe we, we can make it a Patreon goal. I'll read some of my lyrics oh, from I got I have to see if I can find them, but uh, I can guarantee if I read this to our audience, read what I wrote to our audience, they would say it's puddle of mud. Like it's not, it's not as good as puddle of mud. I think he probably is better than me at writing songs, not writing. I'm probably, you know, if me versus Wes Scantlin and comedy, I win a hundred percent of the times. But uh, I don't know. This album's pretty funny, dude. (laughs) That is true. And uh, his onstage incidents, which are another thing that he's like famous for, and that is the last thing you want to be famous for if you're in a band. You know, especially if you're in a band that hasn't been popular, really. You know, like like Puddle of Mud had a moment, and the moment was like a year, really. Like we see that they release their follow up. Uh, two years later, life on display. It doesn't even go platinum. The other one went triple plat, sells five million copies worldwide. This one doesn't even go platinum in the states. So, like their moment was what it was basically a year, and then so you don't want to be the guy that's like you know you're famous enough to kind of play mid tier festivals, do small tours. You don't want to be the guy that's like seven years removed from your popularity being the guy that's always having on stage incidents. That's not, that's not the guy you want to be. No, no, for sure. I, I, I'm going to search something real quick and then uh, I'm, I'm searching something just to see. Yeah. Like if you're like, if you're Travis Scott, okay. And you're like one of the most famous people on earth uh, and your shows are, are legendary for, 
for your actions, then that's great. Then you want to be the onstage incident guy, be that guy, have as many onstage incidents as you want. You want people to be like, Holy fuck. If I go to a Travis Scott show, am I going to fucking die? Like that's what you want, you know, but when you're, but when you're playing like the, the fucking Norfolk County fair in 2009 and you haven't been famous in seven years, you probably don't want to be the guy who's like, yeah, like a hundred people were kind of milling around the stage. And then he pissed on a security guard or whatever. Like, you know, you can't, that's not, that's not the guy you want to be. Right. So what I was searching for, so I searched puddle of mud to get, I don't even remember what I was getting now. So I searched puddle of mud on Google and when puddle of mud comes up from your search, the first site is their official site and it says puddle of mud american alt rock band so what i did was i googled corn to see if other bands just put the kind of music they are as like the header on their site and corn says official website that shows a different level of fame you know just the the a kind of fame where it's like everybody knows corn Nobody knows anything about you, Puddle of Mud. So you really got to get in there and tell them what kind of music you make. Yeah, American reminding them. Rock. Yeah. We're American is, and we make alt rock, baby. Which that, it probably, uh, you know, one thing that feels good about doing this podcast is probably going to make him mad that he's on a new metal podcast. Yeah, he'll find it. He's the type of guy that would find this and be like, you guys don't know anything. You don't know what you're talking about, man. Well, and he he would he would say like we're not new metal. Yeah, but like oh we're not new metal. We're fucking like we're like like we're American we're alt rock. <laughs> yeah, we're American alt alt rock. We're probably a cross between Nirvana and uh, the Ramones or something like. That. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, no, I no. realized that they're not really a Nirvana cross after uh, Wes's. Uh... <laughs> cover of about a girl <laughs> yeah i like that though i watched that day i'm probably responsible for like half the views <laughs> i was fucking cracking up oh, listening yeah. i could not i had i i couldn't believe how bad he was it was it was something else well and so I, go ahead if he finds us you know here's the other thing if he finds us then uh, he deserves it. He's a dickhead. He's he's been like, yeah, he shouldn't find this. If he's mad about finding this, he's an even bigger dick than we thought he was. Yes, yes, that's perfect. That's a great if we way of putting off, then uh, you're not supposed to be listening to this. Yeah, okay, that's your problem, Wes. I'm sorry to tell you, that's your problem. You dumb, you dumbass idiot. Why are you listening to this? That goes for everyone listening to this why are you listening to this <laughs> incidents though during a 2004 show at the headliners nightclub that's probably a big venue you know and I toledo mean, headline, only headliners can play there brian <laughs> <laughs> and it's in toledo uh scantlin took the stage with his band but after only four songs he admitted to the audience that he was too intoxicated to continue frustrated his bandmates walked off the set leaving scantlin by himself on stage yes that you know that you're too intoxicated to do the show but that you don't leave at the same time that's pretty good well, i mean 
I know how this happened, right? Is that like he he was getting fucking shit faced while the other bands were playing. He was he was hanging out with the other bands, and then he was like, "Let's cancel." Well, I don't think we can do this. You know, back in the green room, he was probably like, "I don't think we can do this. I don't think I I can pull it off." And the band was like, "Well, we have to do it because it's our job." And then he said, I think I'm going to cancel. So they, they said, let's go. You go out there and tell them motherfuckers that you're canceling them because we don't want to. And it gave him, it was a good look of the band to get up and leave him alone on stage. Right. Well, cause isn't there like kind of a thing too, where like basically as long as the band starts playing, you can't get a refund kind of thing right like like it's like i'm pretty sure that you can like as long as you play like one song the venue can technically be like well that was a concert like sorry we didn't i mean we thought the band would play for longer than three minutes but like that was their choice like we can't give you a refund they played whereas like if they can't take the stage then then it can be canceled and you can get a refund because the headliner didn't perform so that could have also been part of the factor too like like, they there's a certain amount of minutes maybe that you have yeah. to play before. Yeah. I don't people- know the rules, but yeah, like I found this one too. This is a great one. I, I actually tweeted this out. This is from 2015. So, you know, things probably aren't going so great. Uh, and the headline is just one of the greatest headlines I've ever seen. Puddle of mud deletes Facebook page after being booed off stage, um, which is just a, a phenomenal headline. And then it says, um, Puddle of Mud has been on the decline ever since their first album, but individually, I'm not sure if Wes Scantlin ever had his shit together. We've been covering Wes for a while now, just simply because people continue to book his band and he continues to theoretically piss all over everyone, including the fans. Wes failed to catch his flight for the band's show in Flint, Michigan last week, which undoubtedly pissed some people off. So that's like, you know, there's, they're playing in Flint, uh, not this is probably not a good sign. He did manage to show up to Puddle of Mud show the following night in Versailles, Ohio. Um, Brian, you, you want to weigh in on how shitty that place is? Or well, let me look up where. Here's the thing about Ohio: there's like five cities here, and like only and none of them three are of them. <laughs> no, yeah, and only three of them are like cool. So it's kind of like. Uh, Versailles, I if the last I checked, he did it was Marietta, which is like right on the border with West Virginia. Okay. But the thing is, when you're playing cities like that, yeah, it's not, I mean, you're, it's not going good. If, if the routing of your tour is Flint, Michigan to Versailles, Ohio, <laughs> it's probably not probably not great. Uh, no, no exactly. disrespect to anyone listening who lives in either of those cities. It's just, I mean, you know what you are. Um, so yeah, it's but Detroit, in- Detroit is where you play when you're in Michigan, well, yeah, Cleveland, Columbus, or Cincinnati is who you play when you're in Ohio. Of course. You don't yeah. go to places that are off the map. I, I once saw, uh, I think it was breaking band. It was one of those bands, right? And they were doing a show in Lima, Ohio, which is an hour and a half away from me, but it was like a pro Trump rock show. Sure. So uh, I was going to go and the VIP tickets were only $90. So I could have like met them because <laughs> you just pay the $90. That's yeah, not like not? a, 
usually the uh usually those tickets are a lot more expensive yeah no kidding uh so yeah the rest of the article goes on to say that he was essentially uh booed off stage because it was apparent that he was lip syncing and if you look up if you look up the band there's a bunch of accusations of them lip syncing and videos and stuff going back to like 2009 so like it is funny to me that Wes kind of got some notoriety for covering that Nirvana song so shittily it's like obviously he shot his voice not that it was ever that great to start with but he's obviously shot his voice because they've been lip syncing for like a decade like it's so embarrassing too that is like you know what it is is like that is uh so a put together by the label band thing to do you know like Totally. Well, and it's like, it's like, even like that article says, like, who's still booking puddle of mud? Like, honestly, if you're a promoter that's booking puddle of mud in 2020, or in this case, 2015, even like, you're going to get what you're going to get, honestly. But it's just, I think it's, it is weird too. Cause I think, you know, if you're like a pop musician or whatever, people would probably be more forgiving. Cause they're like, well, whatever, it's a pop show. I don't really care if you're singing or not. I'm just here to dance and have a good time. Like, when you go to see puddle of mud, presumably if you're a fan, the whole point is to hear Wes sing. So like, yeah, there's no reason for puddle of mud to be lip syncing anything. So I don't know if that's like, he was just getting too fucked up that they couldn't even trust him to like sing or remember the words or his, like his voice has been shot for years and he just like, won't admit it or who knows, but man, it's rough. So, somebody from Twitter sent me, I gotta see if I can get it. Somebody from Twitter replied to me on a puddle of mud post that said they saw them at a state fair, and uh, it might have been Iowa, I think. Yeah, and uh, they they were playing, and the shit just totally like the instruments. Uh, they were pretending to play, but the sound went totally silent, and it took because it malfunctioned. I I mean, I guess the computer's probably buffering or something yeah. but i i just a rock any rock band should not be doing the lip syncing thing you know like that is that's probably the that i i think that's kind of a crime really <laughs> yeah no for sure it's like if you can't do it then don't do it then quit yeah yeah just don't go back out i think they need the money because this oh, next one sure they need the money in February 2016, at a concert at the Gin Mill in uh, Northampton, Pennsylvania. There we go. So, another, another classic. Huh? This is like uh, the Simpsons episode with the monorail. I feel like I'm, it's like, oh, I put North Haverbrook on the map. It's like, <laughs> this, this is like North Haverbrook. Like the puddle of mud is just playing, uh, is playing the, the, those cities of the world. Like there are a lot of cool cities in Pennsylvania, right? Like, so they could have played in Morgantown or not Morgantown, uh, Harrisburg, which is a very cool place that we played and sold Stay a decent out. amount of tickets. Uh, Pittsburgh is another one. And Philadelphia yeah, yeah, is right. another really cool one. And Allentown is one. And it's just like Northampton. You somehow ended up in Northampton. Yeah. Uh, he berated the sound manager, threatening to call the Kansas City Mafia on him before ending the show early. <laughs> and that's what we know about the Kansas City Mafia, that they, they will travel to Pennsylvania to, uh, to take <laughs> care of some business for their boy, Wes. 
<laughs> I wonder if he knows anybody in the Kansas City Mafia. Well, like, no, I don't think so. I mean, this is a perfect segue. So the article we were going to talk about uh, that I found, this is from 2003. And uh, it's titled The Prodigal Son. And this is in the Kansas City Pitch, which appears to be their like um, their local free um, like arts and culture newspaper. So, you know, like most major cities have a have a kind of left leaning art focused newspaper. So this is obviously like, uh, you know, something that people would take seriously. Presumably it's still around. This article is from 2003. And yeah, it's called The Prodigal Son. And basically the entire article is about how like everyone in KC like hates Wes for like turning his back on the city essentially. And basically, you know, fucking over his entire band and and like giving them shit. And they like, they interview his mom. So they're like talking about his mom and uh, like, and it just is funny to me because like this article is clearly putting him down. And this is like, I'm assuming a respected paper in their city And like, this is his mom talking. The problem isn't with Kansas city and it's not with the fans. It's the people in the music world who feel it's necessary to tear Wes down. They say he deserted his friend. And well, that's not true. And then the art, the person writing the article wrote, maybe it is. Maybe it's not. (laughs) I mean, it's hard to tell with that kind of thing. Like, of course. Yeah. Maybe he didn't like screw his friends over. I have this, this thing here where where West Scantlin's behavior lately has been suspect. In January, police charged him with breaking into a home he lost to foreclosure and causing $7,000 in damage. Then he stormed out of an Ohio show after a tirade in which he accused an audience member of stealing his house. And there, there's actually video of this, telling this guy that he stole his house, which, I mean, if, I guess... You know, if the guy was the specific guy that foreclosed on him, then he has he can yell at him. You know, that's fine. But don't end the concert early. Like the problem with him is that he ends the shows early. So I think I've told this story on a show. I saw Deftones open for Godsmack one year on a big amphitheater tour. And uh, when they got on stage, Chino was very obviously drunk. And he was like, not, he, the singing wasn't perfect. It, it didn't sound super good. And he would like stop in the middle of songs and just start talking and stuff like that. And uh, it's one of my favorite concerts I ever went to because they did their whole time. And it was weird and different from all the other ones. If they had come out and he was drunk and they left after four songs, I would have a vendetta against them to this day. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. You would. Yeah. I, I just, I think this guy, I, I mean, he's the best word to describe him is try hard. Yeah. But the other best word to describe him is sex nerd. He's like a sex nerd. (laughs) Yeah, well, for sure. It's like, it's really funny. Like some of the quotes from this Kansas City article are talking about like, this is a guy who used to be in the band and he was like, nobody around here ever saw Wes wear a hat. Then he disappeared for a year and went to Fred Durst Rock School where you wear a hat and look mean. 
What about stained, man? The guy never wore a hat in stained, you know. <laughs> Aaron Lewis didn't start wearing a cowboy hat till he wasn't in stained anymore. Yeah. I'm- Just such such a fucking asshole. Like this is the kind of dude that like you there's probably a hundred bands that sound like them. And uh, you just wish one of those got famous instead of him because he's a fucking asshole. But he is also living the 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 I used to be famous and now I'm broke life, which is kind of satisfying. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, this whole article is very interesting. I would I would. I would say anyone should read It's a very interesting read. There's like a, there's, it's quite long. It's like probably 2000 words. And, uh, it, the, one of the funniest parts is where Wes Scantlin blames the band sucking on the drummer leaving for three doors down. Um, which is just like a fact you can't make up. (laughs) I that they just like assigned to the band when they got famous left the band after they recorded their second album. And Wes is like, yeah, once Greg left, the band was never the same after that. It's like, well, okay. okay. (laughs) Sounds good. I mean, and even in this article, like Wes gets mad at the, at the magazine or the newspaper for even doing the article. Like they obviously called him for interview. And then he's like, the, the writer says, if anything, Scanlon's astronomical success has buttressed the paranoia and doubt he has erected to safeguard against current and former enemies. Quote, we never got any love from the pitch, Scanlon says. It's strange to be getting love from people who never gave us love back in the day. Did somebody pay you to call me? You didn't even want to do this interview, did you? And then it says, yeah, he had reason for suspicion. Most local media outlets slept on the band until it exploded on the national scene. And Scanlon has since been become accustomed to critical lashings near and far, which fuel his jaded songwriting. In life, you get beat down, kicked down, walked over on and shit on. And that's the kind of emotions I'm writing about, Scanlon says. Deception, anger, frustration. I'm writing about a lot of the paranoid type feelings that I think are happening around me. And most of the time, they are. Yeah, he's he I mean, he I you know, he needs to see a therapist and stuff. <laughs> like and somebody needs to tell him that like you don't have to be famous to make your living doing your thing. If if that makes sense. Like I I'm not famous, but I make my living doing my art. So I'm not going to like ride on the uh, baggage claim thing at the airport. So people look at me while I'm there, you know, <laughs> totally. Yeah, I won't be I won't be riding the Vancouver baggage claim at, at any time. Um, OK, let's uh, let's get into our review of this record. Did we want to talk briefly about the album art and how bad it is? Well, I don't think it's bad. I d- <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, think it's bad. It's just a fucking black and white shitty looking cover with a kid pissing in a bush with his pants down. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's something going on in it at least. <laughs> I don't like it at all. There's a kid uh, taking a piss. It is weird though. That's a weird thing to have on the cover of your album. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so uh, for those of you who are new to the show, every month we review the album using a tweet defense. Uh, so this is if someone was to was to tweet at Brian or myself saying how bad this record is. Um, how many tweets would we do in defense of this record? Uh, Brian, how many tweets would you do? 
Uh, okay, I'm gonna give it a score. I'm gonna say one. Okay, and it's gonna be like she fucking hates me. But what I really want to say is I would ignore it and act like I didn't see it and not give it even a courtesy fave. <laughs> oh yeah, you just like you just don't even want to talk about puddle of mud. Yeah, I mean, I like she fucking hates me. I guess that's the one tweet, right? Where it's like they say something, I'm like, she she hates me though. Is a pretty fun song, and I'll be like, yeah, that's true. So it's, I'll give it a one. One is a perfectly respectable score for puddle of mud. Yeah, I agree. I think I'm in the same boat as you. And I almost like, I would defend blurry in the same way that you would defend. She hates me. I think I still think it's a pretty good song. Even listening back to the record this time around, I was like, okay, this, like this leaps off the record. It stands out as like a good and interesting song. Um, And the lyrics in it aren't terrible to a point where you would not want to listen to it. So I'm all good with that. Uh, I liked it. Can I say this about blurry? I liked it before we did this listen through. Right. But now I felt like all of the other songs just sounded exactly like it. And it really made it feel less special to me. Okay. I could see that. I mean, to me, to me, it stands out because it does sound a little different, like the little guitar part they're doing on the verse and stuff. Like I find a lot of the other songs are that kind of wall of sound, really muddy guitars. You can't really, whereas like blurry at least has that, like that little kind of twinkly guitar part that like do, 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 kind of part that sort of like makes it interesting. But, but I can see what you're saying. Like it definitely, especially even the chorus goes back into that muddy, like wall of guitars thing. And I could see how it, it wouldn't stand out to you. Can you take, I, I mean, you know, like dudes love to like say stuff like, can you take it all away? When you shoved it in my face. Like that is like, yeah, the boys, the boys love it. Dudes fucking love that shit. Did he, do you think also that, uh, they might've thought he was handsome and that's why they put up with all of us. Sh- I oh, guess yeah. they didn't put up with it, but there's definitely, that's part of it for sure. I, I would be willing to bet Wes had a real good couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he's a good looking guy, good-looking but he always guy had the- that kind of middle America hot thing. Going, like you were saying, like that control would be sexy. It would be a sex song to a certain sect of the american population i would imagine those people who think that that's a sexy song are the type of people who would also want to have sex with wes scantlin okay okay i mean just because you find i don't want to have sex with like danzig because i find some of his songs sexy. <laughs> well i know but i'm just saying uh, no know. i'm kidding i'm you kidding know, i, I think like he's a good looking dude but yeah you're right he's like middle of the country good looking guy yeah. he, he probably hated you know he probably hated going to LA and finding out that he's not like the best looking guy in the world too like when <laughs> like when yeah. he went to LA he found out that he's not actually an 8 he's like a 6 i guess like which is better than average yeah yeah, I would say that's true. And he had the, you know, he had that cool long hair thing, he had the beard, the the backwards hat, you know. He's the working oh. man. Well, he didn't have that hat until after he met with Fred Durst. And Fred exactly. Durst said, artists that work on my label wear a hat. God damn. Like that's such another crazy fucking thing to to put on him. That he started wearing a Never hat. Wore truck- a hat before. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> 
yeah. trucker caps were like popular at that time totally. like everybody was wearing those fucking thing yeah i agree i agree um we're gonna get to uh the the challenge in just one second uh, but before we do uh, we just want to say that uh you can uh, follow us on twitter uh, at the pod underscore cast and that's cast with a k like corn uh, you can also donate to the show at patreon.com slash the pod cast where once a month we're doing a bonus episode uh, and for those ones we tend to review uh, compilations so it's been really fun so far. Last month, we had Molly Lambert on talking about the Deftones covers album, which was fantastic. Uh, best we- album we've done. Be- yes. That's the best album. Well, no, that's false. But like, okay. For significant other. We'd, we've done some good albums. Well, it's the best album we've done that holds up the best. Like that, that, that me and you right now enjoyed that album. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like the other ones, the other ones have stuff I don't really love about them and, and shit on them like now because I'm older. Right. And, uh, that one is like, yeah, that one's incredible. Like if that came out yesterday, I would have listened to it and loved it. Yeah, for sure. Great album. Uh, so that, and that was a great episode. Molly was fantastic. Uh, we've had Keith Buckley from every time I die on talking about the Ozfest 2001 record. We've got Chris James talking about Woodstock 99, which Brian went to. So he tells some great stories on that one. So if you donate $4 a month, you get every bonus episode we've ever done and you get one new one a month. This month, we're going to have Felix Biederman from Chapo Trap House on to discuss Whitey Ford's Sings the Blues by Everlast. So I'm excited for <laughs> that one never been a more perfect felix album yeah i can't can't wait it's gonna be it's gonna be a blast you can check that out at patreon.com slash the pod cast again cast with a k like corn uh brian we are here we are at the challenge uh i am sad to report uh on your behalf that i once again won the challenge i won the science challenge which was to uh to redo the initials of science. So that puts me in the lead five to three. I am, I am ahead of you. Uh, but I, you know, this month could, could, could get you back in the winner's column. We'll see. Or the winner's circle. Unbelievable that I lost with that. The one that was about crap, but people just, didn't. yours was so much more creative than mine. I mean, but yeah, yours did have crap in it. So I, I yeah. thought there was a chance I could lose. Uh, so this one, Pardon me. We thought we would, uh, you know, in honor of puddle of mud, Brian and I would get into the mindset of our partners. Uh, so Brian's wife, Katie, my girlfriend, Becca, uh, obviously Brian's been with his wife for a very long time. Becca and I have been together for two and a half years. So we, you know, we have a familiarity obviously with our partners. And so what we're doing for this month's challenge is we are rewriting. She hates me. Uh, if our partner was writing the song about us. So like, what are the things that they, that they hate about us? And so that's, that's what we're doing here. We're rewriting a verse of the song. Brian, you want to go first? Sure. I went with like, uh, what she thought about me when we got together. Cause I felt like that song is about like the early yep. part of a relationship, you yep. know? Okay. Sounds good. So here, here I go. I'm going to sing it. Yep. It's going to sound it. great. Just add music in after uh, the karaoke track. (laughs) (laughs) Met a dude, thought he was grand, fell in love on a sheetless twin bed, smoked cigs, drank Mountain Dew, fuck your parents, you should move in a trap 
trip I can't grip. Never thought I'd marry a dipshit. Then I started to realize I was stuck with a very dumb guy. She fucking hates me. <laughs> very good. Very All true. Good. All very true. Good. Uh, okay. I, I chose the same section of the song as you. So uh, that's the right go. one. <clears throat> yeah. So this is, this is, yeah. I mean, Becca and I are still relatively new compared to, to you and your wife. So this is, this is going back as well. Okay, here we go. She's my queen from the time we were new till I liked a pick of a girl with big boobs. <laughs> she saw it and got really mad. I didn't think it was that bad. That girl, she was just my friend. I never thought it would mean we could end. But let's be honest, I'm not that great. Don't forget all the times I flatulate. She fucking hates me. <laughs> and my butt stinks. She fucking hates me. She's gonna leave me. I think she fucking hates me. I wish the worst thing about me was my farts to my <laughs> wife. Minor. Uh, it's not good, man. I feel bad for her. I have to say. What? What? You're not like. What can we? You do? Ain't, do you, I, fuck. I'm trying to. You eat meat. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. But not often. Becca's vegetarian, so I would yeah, say same. like I would say is like in fairness, I'm not a like I don't eat meat nearly as much as like someone who is a meat eater would. Yeah, I eat it like maybe once a week, sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes two weeks, maybe not in a week, but uh, yeah, that tends to get me though, where it's like yeah. okay, especially if you don't eat it that often. Yeah, it's a problem. Mine is like I I I I do a protein powder every morning in my smoothie, and I think that's the that's the main culprit for me. It's not good, but yeah, yeah. I'm also well, probably, that was I'm probably allergic to something too. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, we don't have to litigate this on the show. It's just, uh, it's just not good. And I feel bad for her and I respect her very much for staying around. So <laughs> I, I feel like we have to try to figure out some way to, to name albums at the end of this show, you know, like, like some reason you? for us each to have two albums just to name them like maybe uh, um oh like you feel lost that we don't have a poll right i miss now. the poll i miss the poll this is one of my okay. favorite parts okay. uh yeah because we are as we said at the start of the show we are doing kitties spit next month so there won't be a poll this month uh okay so you want to come up with like two two uh, i didn't tell john this before the show <laughs> yeah i just wanted to be like what about what if we just named two like new metal compilation albums sure. that we would want to do on the bonus show? Sure. Okay. Right? Yeah, sounds good. Okay. Like is that good? Yeah, that's good. Um I got to get so one of the ones I want to do is WWF Forcible Forcible Entry. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And uh even the title me, of that is is problematic. So I'm I don't like it too. at all. Yeah. Uh, but the the track list is uh, the game by Drowning Pool, Legs by Kid Rock, Young Girl Old by Creed. You got uh, Rob Zombie in there. You got Limp Biscuit doing Rolling, The Dead Man Mix, Marilyn Manson, Seven Dust, 
saliva. So that's a that would be a good possibility. Maybe we'll put this poll up and say, like, what do you want for a bonus show? Sure. And then okay. out there. So there's WWF forcible entry. Okay. And then of course we have to do uh fuck i i really tempted to do one thing but uh loud rocks the um no no i'm sorry take a bite out of take a bite out of rhyme is the album <laughs> that i want to do have you heard that one no but the title is great i loved it when i was a teen uh you have to type the whole thing because like Take a bite out of rhyme, a rock tribute to rap. Track list is uh, Bring the Noise featuring Fred Durst and DJ Lethal. Uh, go, going Back to Cali by Seven Dust. Your favorite. You love Seven <laughs> yeah. Dust. Sucker MC's Everlast by Everlast. Boys in the Hood by Dynamite Hack. Uh, Posse on Broadway by Insane Clown Posse. It's tricky by the Bloodhound Gangs. Just a really, there's a lot of good jams on that. So, uh, New Jack Hustler by Dope. So, I will say, take about out a bite out of rhyme, a rock tribute to rap. Okay, great. Uh, okay, my two choices. <clears throat> I know a lot of people have weighed in on, uh, on movie soundtracks that were very new metal heavy. We've had quite a few people tweet at us about that. The one that I, I know a lot of people love queen of the damned. That's like the one that sticks out for them as being like the new metal, the quintessential new metal soundtrack. But the one that I had, uh, that brings back a lot of fond memories for me is the end of days soundtrack. Uh, I believe that was an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. And uh, I remember like, this is how crazy I was for new metal. I bought it just because it had an unreleased song from corn on it. And this was like, you know, Napster would have been around then, but it wasn't like, this was in 1999. So, I mean, it wasn't, that wasn't a big file sharing. Wasn't a big thing yet. So like th that's what you had to do. If you loved a band and you just wanted to hear one song from a band that you'd never heard before, you had to buy the full album. So it had camel song by corn on it. And then it had, yeah, Everlast. It had an unreleased Limp Biscuit song on it, had an unreleased Guns N' Roses song on it for some reason. Uh, Rob Zombie, Eminem, Power Man 5000, Creed. Uh, there's a lot of great shit on there. So that's the, the End of Days soundtrack is my first that nomination. Sounds, that sounds like a good time. Yeah. And my second nomination is uh, Straight Up, the uh, tribute album to Lynn James Strait, the lead singer of Snot. Hell yeah. Um, I remember absolutely loving this record and phenomenal cover too. The cover is uh everyone uh everyone on the album like so basically what it was is it was Snot would play the music for all of them uh and then it would just have a different lead singer of band. So it's got Serge Tankian from System of a Down, it's got Jonathan Davis, the lead singer of Head PE, Max Cavalera from Soulfly, Brandon Boyd of Incubus. Ozzy Osbourne, LeJohn Witherspoon from Seven Dust, Fred Durst, uh, Dez from Coal Chamber, Corey from Slipknot, Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray. Um, it's phenomenal. And on the cover, it's all black and they're all wearing black. So you can like just <laughs> see their faces and they're like I know. looking up at the camera. Incredible cover. Uh, but it yeah, I, I loved it. The, the songs on here are really, really good. I like even just looking back at some of this. 
I'm like, I got to get this album. Like I got to listen to it. I haven't heard it in forever. And there's some really, really good songs on here. I know the, the song with Jonathan Davis is really good. The song with Brandon Boyd is really good. The Brandon, uh, sorry, the Fred Durst one is good too. Um, and the one that's on, um, the one that's an actual snot song absent is a great song too. It was an unreleased snot song that's on there. So that's my other nomination straight up. So what we'll do is we'll put that we up. will do the Felix episode for this month and then we'll put up a poll for the next bonus episode and you'll be able to pick between those four albums. Does that sound good? Sounds good to me. Good, we'll, good like re, we'll like We'll like uh, reverse engineer it. Like we'll figure out the guest when we figure out the album Absolutely. or maybe me and John will just do it. And we'll figure but it I don't out. know, but I think it sounds fun. You know, sounds great. Yeah. Good, great idea. And if you, as, as we say, if you want to hear the bonus episodes, they're all at patreon.com slash the POD cast. You can follow us on Twitter at the POD underscore cast with a K. Thank you very much for tuning in and we'll see you back here next month. Uh, we're going to be finally talking about some ladies are going to be reviewing uh, the, debut album from toronto's very own kitty uh it's gonna be spit and it's gonna be great we'll see you guys later hell yeah